This is The Shift Podcast. Welcome to The Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Let's say hello to America as America says hello to Canada. Connecting the shift and Ryan Wrecker from Overnight America via KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. Here we are in the shift with Ryan Wrecker from KMOX. Um, uh, we're just sort of hanging hello. out. There he is, and he magically appears like poof. There he is. <laughs> we were listening. It was perfect timing, Shane. How are you? I'm wonderful, Ryan Wrecker. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I I just had a long weekend, which was nice. And it's always weird coming back after a long weekend. It's like you have to shake things off to get back. You It's just only an extra day off. It's one of those mm-hmm. weird things that I can't explain. I had one of those. Uh, I had one of those nights tonight, Ryan. I went for a walk through the neighborhood about half an hour before the show started to sort of, you know, get outside and and, and sort of clear my thoughts and and do the thing. And Christmas lights everywhere now, and uh, we're so lucky to be I, here in Calgary, where I broadcast the show from across Canada. Um, it, it's been nice. It's been around fifteen degrees Celsius, thirteen degrees, so it's it's still pretty nice at nighttime. And um, so it, it it's pretty grateful place to be able to go for a little walk before work in December. You had to convert that. So nearly 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, that's actually pretty impressive. 15 degrees Celsius. Um, we're going to get that in the next couple of days here in St. Louis. Maybe Wednesday, Thursday is what they're calling for in the forecast. And it's so, one of those. I don't know if it's like this where in Canada, because I, I think that Canadians, at least from my impression or my stereotype, is that they're just used to cold weather and they can yeah. handle cold weather pretty well because it's just <laughs> part of the culture. So when you get a day where it's like 60 degrees, do you see people in flip flops and shorts like it's a hot summer day? Well, I, I'm a shorts guy all the time. And so I'll, I'll do it no matter what. Um, but in the springtime, when it starts to get, I mean, here in Calgary, we get these things called Chinook. So it's warm weather blows in. It can be minus 18, minus 20 degrees one day. And then the, the very next morning, it's 18 degrees when you wake up. Um, it's one of those strange weather phenomenons that happen here. And, but once spring comes and we start getting into the 13, 14, it starts to feel like springtime. Yeah. You see, you see an awful lot of those, those people that are, wearing the uh the sleeveless t-shirts way too soon and you kind of wonder how they can do that but yeah uh-huh well you got it in your blood you're able to take up what, what do you call that weather phenomenon that's called a chinook chinook wind how yeah. do you spell that c-h-i-n-o-o-k not to be confu- confused oh. with a chinook fish but um, okay yeah, because it's, it's there's in, a like, chinooks is a uh, popular chain of grocery stores here in st louis Oh, really? And it's, it's spelled differently. So I thought, well, would that be something? Yeah, I think it, Chinook is a word from um, the indigenous culture around here. It's quite popular on the West Coast. Um, it's named a fish and all kinds of different things. But yeah, Chinook wind. Um, it's really cool. How are you feeling uh, post-election here, Ryan? I mean, you got the decompression now happening. Is it starting to feel like it's normal life again for you? Uh I don't know. I mean, it's holiday time and there's so many different places that are doing different things when it comes to COVID. So depending on where you live, you could go from one county to another 
in, you know, basically city to city in some cases. And there's different restrictions on how they're handling this. So it's a little bit tough because normal would indicate that you're able to go out and do the things that you want to do. But then you have to think, okay, where are they? What are the restrictions there? Are they going to be open? Can I even go there right now? And it's, it's definitely changing the way people are doing their day to day. You know, they'll just go over a city or two to get what they need and do their things if they want to. And it's definitely hurting a lot of businesses. So even in a post-election world, still nothing feels normal when COVID's in the plans. I so, Social media is so incredibly misleading, isn't it? Because when you look at social media, even the, the stories of that came out of Utah about the monoliths and those you know, statue things and the mirrors and the amount of people that were mm-hmm. traveling out there to see those things. I mean, it looks like there's an awful lot of people out and about doing normal things on social media. And I, I don't know if people have that same perception of what is Canada. I suppose it probably goes both ways. But if you just watch social media right now, um, when it comes to that perspective, I mean, it looks like there's not a whole lot changed. Yeah, there's some things and some things that aren't. It just depends on where you are. Yeah, that monolith thing. I can't believe that made international news in the middle of nowhere. That thing was sitting there. I think just today I saw a story that there was some artistic group of people that put this together and they made claim to it. Kind of a cool looking thing. And it got a lot of people's curiosity out there. I love the conspiracy theories that aliens came down and put this bad boy down. <laughs> I liked it. I think they're really good. There was some, um, the Diesel brothers went out there and they were sort of picking it apart and they were looking at how they'd used uh, like uh, rock saws or, or cement saws um, to sort of cut into the ground and then refilled it to with the same color oh. to make it look like it was natural. I mean, it was really well done. It was cool. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that they filled it back in. Well, they thought of everything there. Yeah. Every once in a while you, you, you see these sort of things. You think, oh, they just leave this hole in the ground where they prop this thing up took a lot of effort now how long did they say this thing was there for it could have been there for a long time before anyone noticed it yeah it could have been there for a long time but after people noticed it it was gone pretty quick i don't know if someone jacked it or uh, if they took it down but then there was more that appeared elsewhere but nobody really knew if it was just copy stuff or um like yeah knockoffs or trying to pinch ideas or whatever probably You know, I'm not uh, Bob Vila or anything, but I feel like I could probably put one of these together if I had to. But then again, how do you feel like you see this monolith and you feel like, oh, I got to go see this. This would be great. This would be fun. I need to get out of the house. I've been waiting for an excuse. You start traveling and the next day the thing's gone and Mm -hmm. all you do is see a hole in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) That's my luck, man. That's how it worked for me. Travel halfway across the Uh country to check it out. Get there. Oh, yeah. I know it's. It's like Wally World or whatever in that one National Lampoon movie. They cross the country only to find out that the amusement parks closed down. <laughs> That's one of the best movies. You have to understand, Matt, my producer, the technical producer, he can quote Christmas Vacation to a point where I actually have a, um, I have a script of the movie and I've double checked uh-huh. it to make sure that he's accurate and he nails it every time. Like Uncle Lewis really? and like Uncle Lewis and the, Maddie, can you, I feel like I'm like a parent at a Christmas party. Matt, do that thing you do. Oh, what? Like, you know, like the, Chris, the Christmas tree and the, you know, the Uncle Lewis. Oh, uh, so what's the matter with you? My tree. You burned down my tree. And then like, <laughs> it was an ugly tree anyway. At least it's out of its misery. <laughs> Go get my stogie. <laughs> Wait, so you can do any part of this movie Christmas Vacation from if you just get a couple of lines and you can complete the lines 
He's uh, pretty good. It's, I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% every time, but I'm, I've watched the movie probably hundreds of times over my lifetime. So, <laughs> Wow. I, I am impressed. It's amazing the things that are the, the fun bar tricks that you're able to do. And the things <laughs> that stick with you. Is your memory just naturally that good? Or is it, this is just one of those things that stuck with you and this is the only thing you can do it to? Um, I would say it's the latter. Um, generally, my memory is not good, uh, but you know, it's the little, it's the stupid little things that we can do that tend to stick around in our memories. So. I don't know. Matt's got a remarkable memory. Matt, Matt plays guitar, so when he plays songs, he remembers his songs, and and he's always, you know, I don't know, albums and stories about songs. I don't know, Matt. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit because I think like you have one of those strange storage banks up there for useless trivia. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Do you guys uh, debate if Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Oh, it's just not. It's not a debate, buddy. Yeah. Okay. It's I not worth debating. It's a Christmas page. movie. It's absolutely. A I Christmas agree. Movie. It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's not up for debate. <laughs> I think it needs to be included there. There's some really creative people. I just recently watched the movies that made us or something. It's a Netflix documentary series where they go through some of the classic movies and they did one on Die Hard. And I learned a lot about the film there. Really? And it was it like a documentary. Yeah. yeah so Netflix holiday has this. There might us. be just a few. Yes. Yeah, the films that made us it's called. Oh, cool. uh, and they also have the holiday movie, the holiday films that made us, but the Die Hard was one of the movies they originally did with the, the series. I didn't realize that Bruce Willis, they kicked the tires on him a bunch of times before Die Hard. His agent um, said, well, if this movie flops, Bruce is going to be out of the industry, right? No one's ever going to give him another movie again. So you have to pay hmm. him big time. And he became, and he got paid the highest. I mean, there was, he became the biggest grossing actor, at least by, from one film based on Die Hard, because that was the risk he was taking to, uh, to do the movie. And as it turns out, it became this giant blockbuster and a loved movie. So it worked out anyway. Wow. Hey. Oh, yeah. So just looking at it, I checked it out. I, I've seen it, but I, it didn't occur to me that it was actually a good thing. Um, Dirty Dancing's on there. Ghostbusters is on there. Die Hard's on there uh, for the episodes. Wait, Ghostbusters is a Christmas movie? Oh, no, no you're reading no, just... the, the documentaries. Okay. <laughs> the documentaries. Uh, can you imagine? Wow, that's a strange... <laughs> That's a strange. Wait, do you watch Christmas? like cheesy Christmas movies when they come out on Netflix or Hallmark Channel, things like that? I'm not big on the um, like the new ones that are constantly coming out in the Hallmark movies and stuff like that. I don't I don't watch those ones like the the fuzzy fuzzy wuzzy chick flicks, if you will. Um, yeah, there's a I... movie called um, Midnight at the Magnolia on Netflix that came out. It's a movie about two radio DJs that fall in love. Aww. Aww. That's you nice. might like it. It's, I think, a G-rated movie, and it's funny because they were Ooh. lifelong friends, and they're doing a show, a radio morning show in Chicago, Illinois, and they just they discover they have feelings for each other, as you can tell. Oh. Like every one of these Christmas movies are exactly the same. But oh. uh, the backdrop of the radio station, they go to the radio station a lot, and they're doing their show, and they're talking to each other. It's at least one of the. I'm, I'm glad they use radio at least for one of them. I can tell you that. Um... The radio people that I work with don't look like that. <laughs> By the way, you know, I, I didn't know if this was an American phenomenon or if this happens in Canada, but do radio stations flip over to Christmas music? Yes. Uh, usually right oh. after Remembrance Day or Veterans Day for you. Oh, that go? okay. Yeah. yeah, we have the one that's notorious for St. Louis, the one that's been always first 
in our uh, sister station, KEZK. So they've been playing it for a while now. I don't exactly remember the date they decided to flip it over, but Mm -hmm. it always happens. Like it hits the radio trades. Oh, the radio stations are flipping over to Christmas music. They did it earlier this year because of COVID. Yeah, Yeah, earlier and earlier. Um, It's amazing. Although I can tell you some insight behind that. I used to have an online Christmas uh, channel because I have a Christmas show that I do on a bunch of stations at Christmas time. And it's called Mm -hmm. Christmas Canada Radio. And we used to... um, we used to stream it until it just was just too expensive to maintain it. But our biggest audiences were in the Netherlands and in Canada, clearly. Um, and in, in the Netherlands, there's a very special heart place for, for Canada. But in uh, America, we saw the tuning in North America be very, very different than it was in Europe. And it was like Christmas music tuning. Cause you can watch the stream connections, right? The mm-hmm. amount that we consume Christmas music, I was shocked really peaks at the end of November. Uh, it just oh. is a straight, straight arrow until the end of November. Once the first week in December comes, it plummets and it drops and then it builds back up again and gets even higher. Of course, that last week before Christmas. But yeah, I was shocked to see. I thought it was an anomaly. Then year over year over year, some of the until the last week and a half before Christmas, the week to end November was always the most tuned on the online stream. Wow. So we apparently What's are the just number. Hungry. What's the number one Christmas song in Canada? At the moment, or anywhere, Jeez, just in general, we well, only get like the same ones, like Probably the Mariah, Mariah Carey. Carey songs, like always. Yeah. yeah. Do you um still have the music regulations in Canada where you have to play a certain percentage from Canadian artists? Yes. Yeah, we have to play yes. thirty-five. Depends on the market. Some markets are different. Um, but yeah, it's thirty-five percent Canadian in Canada. Um, it's one of those things where inside the Canadian government, it's protecting sort of the Canadiana, as we call it, um, of the influx of massive big budget things from around the world that could sort of pour over and some of the Canadian shows need to get a shot. So they do. Uh-huh. It's crazy. You guys I don't have that. That's a lot easier. No, we don't. But I, I guess that's a lot easier during Christmas time because there's probably pretty much every Canadian artist is recorded. Like every artist does a Christmas song. So it's probably got a lot to choose from at least, at least easier at this time of year. Well, when we have Buble and Bieber and all those guys cranking out albums, it makes Christmas a lot easier in Canada. That's for sure. <laughs> Buble all the time, probably every hour you probably got him playing for there sure. Was a, there I didn't was realize a he was years. Canadian. Yeah, there was, uh, he was, uh, lots of your favorites down in you, you Americans love our Canadians, man, from, you know, Drake and all those guys. Uh, you guys, <laughs> Drake is We're... one that streamed a lot, sure. Yeah. I don't listen to music much anymore, but my <laughs> wife and son love to listen to Christmas music. So it's been on in that. the house during the I day. Wonderful Christmas time, yeah. Paul McCartney, man. That's the best one ever in my book. Is that? You know, my favorite Christmas song is the Kinks, and they do that, uh, Father Christmas, give Give me some some money. money. Yeah. (laughs) See? I love that one. I told you. Matt comes up. Matt's got everything stored up in that head, man. (laughs) He he was just waiting. He had his hand on the buzzer like it was Final Jeopardy, man. Actually, he was drinking his coffee. I could see him because we're on a Zoom call, Ryan, when we do our show. So we're all on a Zoom call together, which you're more than welcome. Why don't we send Ryan the link so he can join us on the Zoom call? Um, let's do that. And then join us on the zoom call. Cause then we sit here and we can see each other when we're picking our nose and stuff. So oh, that's cool. That's not a Thanks bad idea. I, I should be able to do that without actually breaking things. So that's a good, idea. that's a real good idea Then I can see uh, what you look like. I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, I'll apologize in advance. It's right. <laughs> radio. I'll tell you what, I, I, we don't look like the people from your uh, midnight of the Magnolia movie. Put it that way. It's rated G. So if you want to see what real radio is made of in Chicago, it's uh, this. And, you know, it's funny because being an insider, like, you know, what goes down 
you look at this and there's so much unrealistic things. And then they have little details that are very realistic, like the coffee tasting terrible. I thought, oh, they nailed that one. <laughs> Man, they got that. But then everything else is, com- and you know, they're, by the way, they're in a commercial break and they have their headphones on and they're talking to each other. I thought, you're not going to hear each other. You got your headphones nope. on. First thing you nope. do, man, so take little, the headphones off. Yeah. yeah. How do your, how's your ears? Are, are they uh, ringing all the time? You got pretty good ears? No, I had my hearing tested just last year, brother, after all these years of doing radio. And plus, I did nightclub tours and DJ tours for a long time. And I still have good hearing, better than normal, which is amazing to believe. Oh, but lucky you, man. It. Yeah, in radio, that's a rarity. So good for yeah. you. That's awesome. Love it. This is the Shift Podcast. If you had to pick one store that could date how old you are, what store would that be? There have been so many great texts and calls that have come in. Uh, Connie says Sears and the Christmas catalog was the best moment, even just a few years ago when um, before Sears shuttered. You could go and come home and find that catalog sitting on your front step. I think Canadian Tire was really sort of tiptoeing on stealing that that memory but then of course they they shut it down because that whole internet thing um another text comes in says san francisco that old store we talked about is now called spencer's gifts which could be that would make sense i don't know the history ah because i know spencer gifts and that makes a lot of sense because spencer's is exactly like san francisco so that Mm. makes sense totally yep Without the uh, without the underwear, um, Josie says my girlfriend and I bought a pair of Fundy's underwear underwear for two from San Francisco on a lark. They didn't work very well. So there you go. They have four <laughs> leg holes. They had four leg holes. Um, Daniel sends in a text. Sam, the record man, and Eaton's. Let's go to Gail in Toronto. Hello. Hi, Gail. What was it about Sam, the record man, that really had you? Well, I first went there. I was about fifteen. And I lived just outside of Toronto on the Air Force Base. And it was a big trek to go all the way downtown Toronto, the big city. And you'd go in there and all these, they were really and truly, they were hippies. Yeah. And they worked in there and they just, you you couldn't ask them a question that they couldn't answer. Yeah. It was just, all of a sudden it was, when I say grown up, I don't mean like grown up like my parents, but these older people and they were so hip and the records were there and you could get anything you wanted mm. it was wonderful what well, was it was true you know it's funny that you say that because i have a couple of friends of mine who used to work it was hmv i think they worked at but they were like that they were the kind of people that when you walked into the store and you asked them a question about music they could chat with you for hours they could answer anything they knew where every record was they yeah. knew and if there was a cd coming out or have you heard this new band they knew that they went on to work for the record labels after that. And that's where I met these guys. So you're right. Like there was a, something really special about those people. They were today. You'd say they're in the industry because that's how mm-hmm. they presented. But of course I didn't know that at the time. They were just right. these older, cool people, you know, smart people. So did you, where did you go in Toronto? Did you go? Wasn't, uh, wasn't the one on young, wasn't it right on the corner? Yes, it was. Um, oh my goodness. Maybe Young and Mutual, something like that. Young and Dundas, maybe? No. No, it would have been south of that. Hmm. I remember but it was so In that general so cool. area, though. Mm-hmm. And it was on the east side of the street. Yep. Eaton's was across the street. Eaton's was another fabulous place. Mm-hmm. And you could say to somebody, 
I'll meet you at Timothy. And there was a huge bronze statue of Timothy Eaton. And when you went shopping at Eaton's, you always went over and you rubbed the toe of his shoe. <laughs> and honest, the, the whole thing was the usual bronze tarnished look, yeah. except the toe of one shoe. And that's where everybody came in and rubbed the toe for good luck. Wow. That's a great story. Thank you, Gail. You take care. Good night. Bye-bye. Uh, Gail from Toronto right there, 877-399-9898. What is the store that dates you? Uh, Sam, the record man, according to uh, Wikipedia, says there's one remaining former franchise store in Belleville, Ontario. Went defunct in 2007 officially. Um, but it was founded in 1937. It didn't ever really get like super huge, but those big neon records on the front of the store that would look like the record was turning, that was the cool part. Love that, man. When you went to Toronto, you went to Sam the Record Man. That was always one of the stops. You had to go to the big Sam the Record Man store. 877-399-9898. People's Credit Jewelers. <laughs> um there's so many great stores that are coming. It's actually quite hard to keep up. Um, from New Brunswick, Ben says, The Pop Shop. Thank you, Ben. Um, Kresge, Metropolitan, and A&P Grocery Store. Um, Bruce from St. Albert says, The Bay. You know what? I love The Bay. I still love The Bay, even though they've had a bunch of stores closed in the last couple of weeks here because of you know rent disputes. I, I love The Bay. It's really hard to, like, it gobbles you up for time. Because you go into the Bay, man. You're there for like days, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. And I actually had a caller, uh, Sharon in Coquitlam, had uh, um, actually had been a patron of the Bay when it was the Hudson's Bay Company, mm -hmm. which I've always I've always maintained a soft spot for that name. I always wish that they would have just kept the Hudson's Bay Company. Well, I think they actually are Hudson's Bay now. I think that that's what they're officially called, Hudson's Bay. I think yeah. they've gone back to that. But they're not the Hudson's Bay Company, but they're not Canadian-owned either anymore, right? No. So, And there was a texter who said about, you know, it's too bad we don't have Zellers anymore. That's Target's fault. But it actually wasn't because the Bay bought Zellers first, and then the Bay sold it to Target. So I don't think that was Target's fault. Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was uh, – That was, I would I would pin that one on the Bay because there there's been some terrible business deals in and around some of those stores. And it'll be a crime if the Bay shutters with all those old heritage buildings that they have and – and some of that stuff around Canada, that'll be, that would be ter absolutely terrible. Anyway, I don't want to get negative about it. Uh, no more complaining. How about McLeod's hardware store? Um, mind blowing McLeod's. I had forgotten all about McLeod's. Uh, came in from a couple of different texters. Let's go to Ian, who's in Richmond Hill at 877-399-9898. Ian, if you had to date yourself with a store, what store would that be? There was a store. It was, it was here in, uh, Toronto area. I'm not sure how far it stretched out. It was called Bargain Heralds. Mm -hmm. And they were always these basement stores. You walked in, you went down, you know, two flights of stairs and you were down in this basement. They were these tiny little places, but they had all sorts of wild and wonderful things. And uh, Woolsworth. Uh, and there was another one around Christmas time. You were inundated on television with KTEL International. Tell, yep. All the record albums you could buy, the record selector. You'll have to look it up on Google. Mm -hmm. Love it. I love I remember KTEL. I mean, KTEL was everything. Um, they, were the looks cheapest, like... they were the cheapest records in the world. I mean, they were paper thin. 
and the shortest songs, but uh, they gave you, you know, like 30 songs to an album type of thing. But uh, you don't, obviously, you don't see them anymore. But KTEL International was a big one around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And Bargain Heralds, which was kind of like a, oh, uh, Honest Ed's. Honest Ed's. On a smaller scale. Yeah. Love it. Cool. Thank you very much, Ian. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Have a great night. You too. 877-399-9898 in Winnipeg. Robert is on the line. Hey, Robert. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, buddy. What's going on? Uh, a couple of things. One is consumers distributors. Mm-hmm. The one in Winnipeg was the first one I ever went to, by the way. Yeah, uh, probably down Dominion Square, just in St. Boniface. I, 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 now, I don't remember. I was young, but I seem to think it was Portage. Was there one around there? But There was two. Yep. And the base store in Winnipeg is now, being, is now closed. Yep. Because so they closed it uh, earlier this month. They closed that store finally. Completely. Yeah, there was, um, there, was, uh, there was another one, too, and I think it was Coquitlam. Um, yeah. when Poco in Coquitlam went. Um, and shut down surprisingly. I think that it'll be interesting to see if they come back yeah. for those ones. I don't know. But, Robert, thank and, you very much for the phone call. For you. What's up? Here's a trivia question for you. Do you Uh-oh. know what HMV stands for? What does HMV stand for? Oh, yeah. I knew this. Um, I, I don't recall. Ryan, do you know what it is? Well, yes, because I work there. Okay, but, so for? I used to think it was uh, home music video, but I believe. No, it's not. It's his master's voice. His master's voice, but they couldn't yes. use it because the symbol for that was the, art, the dog listening to gramophone. That's right. And that's yep. copyrighted by RCA Victor in North America. I should have, uh, that's right, I should have known that because I remember that from when I was uh, back in radio school, his master's voice. And he was listening to, the story of the record is, is that someone yeah. recorded a record of, of the dog's owner, right? Yeah, and he couldn't use it in North America because RCA Victor owns the right to the dog and the gramophone. Nice. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Robert. You yep. have a fantastic morning. You too. All right, 877-399-9898. Also in Winnipeg, Ev. How are you, Evelyn? Hi, Shane. I, I love this. I love the topic because, you know, you guys are <laughs> you're, you're always on the ball. But there was, someone, uh, there was a store similar to a uh, San Francisco store, and that would be the It store. The It store might have not hit across Canada, but it the- was in Manitoba. Was the in Manitoba. It store. Tell me about the It Store. What was the It Store? The It Store was similar to the San Francisco store. They did have marijuana um, containers and like stuff like that. And stuff, marijuana, yeah. yeah, yeah, all that paraphernalia. And they had like it, it was like similar. It was similar to uh, the San Francisco store with all the with all the junk. Oh, it actually was. It, well, people junk. were attracted to junk, right? So, yeah. but um, my my choice of of store though was Radio Shack. They it was similar. It was similar to the source yeah. that is today yeah. in the stores right today, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was actually not too bad. And Sears, Sears met the needs of everybody. Not I still only, have Sears gift only, cards that I didn't get to use. Heartbreaker. Oh, you did seriously? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sad for you because that was you know that was an ultimate. It hit everybody. It hit it everybody. Did. You know you because could go everybody there, you enjoyed could get a TV, it. You could get clothes. You could get slippers. You could get Christmas lights. You could get a snowblower and new wrenches. Yeah, that that's exactly right. You know, um, Kenmore <laughs> was the brand name. Kenmore was the brand name. It was that's act- right. yeah, they were decent. It was a yeah. decent well, store, and unfortunately, I, yeah, they used to always have sales on luggage, and I used to remember it was always the best to go to Sears to buy luggage because it was one of those things they would always put up um, for a good price. Thank you very much, Evelyn, for the phone call. I You're appreciate welcome. you. You're All right, welcome. Evelyn I- in Winnipeg. 
877-399-9898. Another texter, Catherine, says Eaton's had quality products. I love my Viking sewing machine. My kids loved it too. Uh, Woolworth's in Edmonton sometime around 1969. So there we go. We got a couple of Edmonton's and the Woolworth's. Um, this is interesting to me. Hi, Shane. One store that would date me is Bata Shoes. Now, they were around for until the 80s, I think. Started out in Toronto, eventually created the Bata Shoe Museum dedicated to what else? Shoes, Allen Calgary. I remember Bata Shoes. Um, that was like uh, some of these stores were just the stores you had to go to. But how about this? I remember this one, and this one just really shut down um, some of them, is Fields, the store Fields. I mean, that was sort of everybody's small-town department store across the country. Do you remember Fields? Um, Radio Shack was an American company, and uh, there is some online stuff there. The Pop Shop was another one uh, that's been sent in a couple of different times. We've only heard one blockbuster, which I found... um, I found interesting um, because I thought I would have thought Blockbuster would have been absolutely, absolutely on this list. But Honest Ed's comes up in the list. And some of these don't cross over across the whole country. But I know locally, uh, as we broadcast across country, that there are so many. Um, there was a store in Vancouver called Three Vets. That was amazing. Um, Eaton's, satisfaction guaranteed or money refunded. Um, yeah, I mean... We don't, we don't get this excited about these memories of stores. Now, can you imagine what our kids are going to talk about? You're going to talk about, remember that online store we used to go to? Buyasweater.com? Amazon. Yeah. It's just like, let's take a visit to Amazon and browse the catalog for six hours while we waste our day trying to find something to buy. That's what I currently yeah. do on Amazon. That's Well, I did that today. Actually, I opened it up. I was like, I wonder if I'm missing anything that I need for Christmas. And I started scrolling <laughs> just to see. Exactly. Uh, it's crazy. Red Hot Video also comes in. I remember that one. Uh, A&B Sound on Stephen Avenue in Calgary. They renovated an old sandstone building that used to be a bank, which I think it is a good life fitness now. They had a ginormous selection of music and equipment. How about Crazy Crazy Stereo? Crazy Crazy Stereo was good, too. Sandstore. That's another one, S-A-A-N, the Sand Store. That was another big one that was out there. Uh, Merit Hardware Stores. The texts are just flying in for all the different stores here. Pascal's, Army and Navy. Oh, Sand comes in just right there, too. Let's go to Burnaby quickly and say hi to Ron. Ron, we've got to be quick because we're up against the clock here, brother, but what's the store? Oh, well, uh, my number one store, of course, is uh, Woodward's at Oak Ridge, which is now gone. Um, uh, They used to have an open-air fountain. And uh, me and my uh, my best friend, Landy Lee, uh, used to ride our bikes over the fountain. It was open oh. air. And then steal all the change. Steal all the change. You can't. Those are people's wishes and dreams, man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we didn't dreams and wishes. Uh, uh, his dad was the head of the Chinese-Canadian Benevolent Association. <laughs> it's the Shift Podcast. Yeah. All right. Speaking of big, bushy hair, and uh, how long has this been since you had a haircut? Let's uh, ask him that in a second. First, let's introduce uh, Andrew C. Ferreira and Weird Science. Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science. All right. So, um, Andrew Ferreira, welcome to the program. Um, we were talking about a couple of things there, including hair. When was the last time you had a haircut? Uh, 2017, I think. Whoa. 
But my hair is pretty is much now? capped. My hair is pretty much capped on its growth, though. It's not really growing any longer. It's kind of like uh, to my nipples. And that's the, um, but that's like the terminal length for you. That's where it's just going to stop. Yeah, it's it, it it seems like it's kind of just given up, and it's like you know what, this is enough. And you know what, I wow. respect that. Yeah, and yours is curly though. It's like wavy though, right? So it's even. Yeah, mine's, if I straightened it, it would probably be a good deal longer. But uh, I yeah. don't because I'm lazy and I don't want to. Huh. There you go. Well, it's time to let Andrew out of the cage. Talk a little bit of science. What do you say, buddy? Uh, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> the whole reason why yeah. we why we do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, there is a piece here uh, mm. that really drives you in life. And there is a piece of inspiration that really pushes you to love science and be on the radio. And if we ever get the chance to talk about space rocks, this is really the piece. Um, I don't know why. Maybe we don't even need to know why, Andrew. But are we talking space rocks again? Uh, yeah, especially for that one guy who can't stand it when I talk about space rocks. This is for you, buddy. Right. Um, but yeah, no. So I don't know. If, if longtime listeners of The Shift and its past iteration... Uh, well, remember one fateful night when I was, you know, I was sitting where Matt sits, uh, and I was given a chance to talk about, uh, one mission in particular, Japan's Hayabusa 2. Um, and I just kind of stole the show for about six minutes and I felt really awkward about it. Um, I went home and I was like, wow, that was horrible. I never want to do that again. And then I was asked to do it again and again and again and again. So we're here. Um, but basically that mission was one of, it was Japan's second attempt to uh, recover samples from an asteroid and bring them back to Earth. And when I first did that, probably about two years ago now, um, I don't know, time has lost all meaning to me. Um, I was talking <laughs> it, about how... It feels like that. Yeah, well, I mean, time is inherently meaningless anyway. Um, but I was asked to talk about the Hayabusa 2 mission, and it's, and it's kind of, at that point, it was dropping dinner, dinner plate-sized uh, little rove landers on an asteroid, which was insane at the time. I mean, it's still insane to drop, you know, stuff onto an asteroid. Um, but at the yes. time, I thought, well, geez, we won't, you know, we won't know what's going to happen with this for, you know, a little while now. It'll be years before we know. And that time is now, because just on, a, on Saturday night... Uh, Hayabusa 2 finally completed its primary mission, which was to essentially jettison uh, a little box full of samples back to Earth. So ever since last year, it's been trucking its way across the solar system back towards Earth uh, with a bunch of, you know, rock fragments in tow. Uh, a few days ago, it let that rock capsule free and started to jet off to its next adventure, which is another tale for another time. But in the meanwhile, that little capsule kind of dropped into Earth's atmosphere, lit up like a fireball, and landed in the Australian desert, uh, which was super cool. And of course, I was awake to watch it because uh, I, I will I will just absolutely dismember my sleep schedule to watch things enter the atmosphere. Um, Where do you watch but, that, Ender? Uh, the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency's uh, official YouTube channel. Hmm. How about that? Yeah. They've you know they've got Twitter accounts for everything, and Apparently. they tell you where to find all the cool stuff. Science is extremely accessible nowadays, thanks to uh, social media, which I also hate with every fiber of my being. Um, but I digress. So this you know package of rocks, essentially, what we hope is rocks. We we don't know what's inside of it. We hope that there are rocks in it. Yeah. Um, Could be aliens. Uh, no, it's not. Um, 
this package of, you know, rocks, dust, you know, even gas from this asteroid uh, landed in the Australian desert. Uh, was successfully retrieved just yesterday by scientists. Um, and they've just finished the, uh, actually 10 minutes ago, actually, they finished up the, uh, they've confirmed the sample container was sealed properly, um, which means that, you know, between the asteroid and Earth, nothing got into it and nothing got out, cool. which is great. Uh, the first thing they're going to do is sample the gas inside of the, uh, the, the, the container. Um, they've already sampled it, but they're still analyzing it. So they don't know whether or not that gas is from the asteroid itself or perhaps some other process. We'll know soon. Uh, but I believe today they're flying the sample from Australia uh, back to Japan to do research. Um, and once the scientists kind of unpack the rocks and look at the rocks and study the rocks, uh, what's going to happen then is it's going to be released for international research. Uh, there will be samples sent out across the world uh, for different space agencies, NASA, the European Space Agency, uh, the big two, uh, to have a look at and to analyze. And the, the, the big thing they want to get at here is what these pieces of rock can tell us about the birth of the solar system. Because it's thought that the asteroid, and mostly all asteroids out there floating around in space, uh, are essentially time capsules from the early solar system. Uh, they are samples of rock that theoretically haven't really changed since the planets were formed, because these asteroids were formed via the formation of planets. As planets kind of coalesced as big balls of rock, uh, you know, sometimes a big ball of rock will knock into another big ball of rock, and a bunch of smaller balls of rock will fly off of it, and those are what asteroids are. Uh, so being able to look at this will give us an idea, hopefully, of what the solar system was like, you know, four billion years ago which is, you know, kind of insane that we can even, you know, fathom doing this. You know, I can barely remember what happened last year, um, let alone, you know, being able to look at something that happened four billion years ago. So that, I think, is, is super cool. Uh, and it's kind of a nice little uh, a bookend for, you know, one of the, my first real journeys in doing this, because when I, you know, first started following this mission uh, in, like, 2015... Uh, you know, I was still in college. I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and not at all burdened down by the, by the nature of my existence. Uh, <laughs> but now everything is, you know, what it is. But this mission has, you know, finished its primary objective, which is to return samples of an asteroid. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the gas can tell us, because the gas will tell us what kind of, you know, molecules are present in and around the surface of this rock. And the rocks will tell us, you know, what it's made out of, you know, could it be made of organic compounds, like stuff with carbon and oxygen in it. Mm -hmm. uh, is it just made of ice? Could it have been made of, you know, uh, only carbon? We don't really know. And we're going to find out eventually. But for now, uh, they're in the, you know, the wrap-up stage in Australia, and they're going to book it on home to Japan soon. And, you know, after all that's said and done, I'm not sure when we'll know anything, but you better believe it, that uh, when we know, uh, you'll know. Isn't it cool that when you think about five years ago, sort of when you started tracking it, and you're like, oh, man, it's going to be five years till this is done, but then they've traveled all those miles, done all the things, they put their little Roombas on the asteroid and sucked yep. up the random material and scooped them up again. And then it, it's come home. I mean, that, that's kind of an amazing notion. We think about these things about being so far away, but then now they're here. Yeah, it's that's the that's the that's something that I really love about space, and that it just it it is you know it doesn't seem like it. It is this vast, empty expanse 
of cold, unforgiving hell. Um, and we happen to float around in it, and we're just kind of chilling here on Earth because we're protected by a layer of atmosphere that, you know, in respect to the Earth, is about as thin as a piece of paper. Um, hmm. But we're allowed to live here, and we get to see stuff and experience stuff and sample stuff, and I think that's super neat. Um, but that being said, uh, it's not over for Hayabusa 2. There'll be more science stuff coming up that I will yell at you about uh, in, in due time. Don't worry. Weird science. Thank you, brother. I hate to do this to you, but it's time for us to put you back in the cage, man. That's fine. I, I've grown used to my... Uh, this is my lot in life. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you okay with hockey player interviews? I... Uh, I'm always okay with them because you will always get hockey cliches one through five, you know, right. played a good game out there. You know, we skated hard. Uh, we gave 110%, uh, you know, need more puck time. Yeah. Need Gotta more be harder on the wall. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when we win the battles down low, we win the hockey game. <laughs> you know, we just need to get more shots on net, bud. And, uh, we just got to keep it going and follow the net and, uh, play with the crowd and we'll be good to go. <laughs> That's Apparently every time. We've got Team Canada, uh, a hockey player here with us, eh? Right there. Oh, yeah, bud. You know, if we score <laughs> oh, yeah. more goals than the other guys, we usually win. So that's where we're going to start today. That's about the um, depth of the conversation, yeah. It truly is, right? Well, there was a story that um, most hockey fans will get a kick out of, and I think most American hockey fans might not have any idea. So a hockey star, familiar to most Canadians, appeared on a news report last night so i'm not going to say who it is i just want you to listen to this news report about snowstorm and tell me if you recognize this hockey star drivers face some brutal conditions on the road saturday night with snow rain and strong winds most towns got a few inches of snow forcing plows to work into the night to clear the roads i like snow i like the winter but not necessarily this might be a little too much Visibility was poor on the highways as heavy snow came down for a few hours. Getting around was a challenge, even for those who are used to this. Pretty tough. Uh, we're from Canada, so it's not too crazy. I mean, uh, we got some winter tires and uh, used to this growing up, so um, it's not great. I'll tell you, you get some, uh, some tough stretches, but if you don't go too fast, uh, uh, it's doable. <laughs> not a single Amazing. A in there. No. Okay. Now... If you don't recognize that that Canadian hockey star, uh, he's from St. Albert. He played for the Calgary Flames, and his name is Drew McKinley. And so this was random. Like, this is side of the road. Excuse me, sir. Would you like to chat with us? So he walks up, and he does the interview about snow being, we're from Canada, so it's no big deal. It turns out, at least it's speculated, that the news people had no idea that he was a guy who played for the Boston Bruins for a season. And uh, that he was a hockey star. Although, I think I figured out why Jerome McGinley lives in Boston now. Because nobody has any idea who he is. That's probably wonderful. A nice uh, breath of fresh air for him. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, I love it. It's amazing. He so represents good. the Canadian drivers um, quite well. Now, if we're going to look at the um, the best and the worst of the hockey interviews, what do you say? Can we grab a couple? Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, uh, Brad Marchand, speaking of Boston, uh, he doesn't share much, clearly. 
Brad, you said after the third game of the series, there's no panic in the room. What can you say about the way your group handled the next three games and ultimately advancing to the conference final? We did a good job. No, Tukarask was saying, this core isn't getting any younger. What do you make of the opportunity that lies ahead of you? It's been fun. So I see where this is going here. I'll ask you one more about your line. It got back together. You had said the chances over there were just starting to bury it these last few games. What kind of zone are you three in? We're good. Thanks. Well, that was worth it, Jim. Oh. <laughs> Did you hear that? That was worth it. Oh. That was a time. That was right after he got himself in a bit of a pickle there, Dick, because he got himself uh, in a bit of hot water for some things he had said. Uh, they were interpreted differently and all those uh, sort of uh, things that happened in the media. So he was, that was it. He was done. He was like, he was given nothing. He, they're obligated to do the interviews, but they're not really obligated to participate in the interviews. <laughs> it's been fun. Been yeah. Fun. yeah. We, we yeah. did good. It's good. It's good. That'll do. That'll do. Um, Anaheim Ducks goaltender Ilya Brzgalov gave this incredible response when asked about his thoughts on Chris Pronger returning to Edmonton. That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Why you have to be mad? He's a good guy. He may be tired to live here and because here is a November month, it's a minus 32. Could you imagine? It's a eight months in a, eight months in a year snow. <laughs> Why you have to be mad? It's only a game. Oh, I love it. Oh. That guy's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he, he was consistently great in interviews. Yeah. Um, there's one guy that I always look forward to seeing uh, on, on the TV. And Scott Oak is one of the most legendary Canadian broadcasters of all time. Let's just throw that out there. Wow, what a career. And polished and everything he's ever done has been a standard of professionalism. Incredible. Now, what happens when Scott Oak gets confronted by someone who actually knows Scott Oak in an interview? Well, that's happened more than once. Scott Oak doing an interview with Ryan Reeves. Now, Ryan plays for Vegas, but they're both from Winnipeg. And Reeves is best buds with Scott Oak's son. So they've got some dirt on each other trying to do this professional, air quotes, interview. Now, I just wonder, Ryan, if uh, Kanan will be as musically talented as you are. We've got some video here. It's not great. The video is not great because it, it's a very dark background, but the audio is compelling. Listen closely to this. Oh, <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I love that he can just share that with no hesitation because he knows it's going to go over really well. <laughs> well, because they, they, they've kind of got this, although Scott keeps this stone-faced broadcaster professional thing, and then they burn each other all the time. There was another clip where um, they were talking about, you know, fitness and healing or whatever. And, and Ryan Reeves says, now I'm just recalling this, so it's not perfect. But he made a comment about, he's like, um, Scott, I've been in your hot tub. I've seen Scotty the body. I know what's going on under there. Like this is on the TV <laughs> saying, you know, I've been in your hot tub, man. I know what's going on. <laughs> They've done a couple of interviews talking about that hot tub. And one time Reeves talked about how it was green and he wouldn't comment as to why the hot tub was green. Like the water was green <laughs> and they just kind of laughed and shrugged it off. I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. It's hilarious. I don't, I'm not big on communal bathing in general, actually. So. 
that's just a thing. Um, that's the thing about hot tub. You're like, hey, we'll have a hot tub. We'll invite our friends over. And then you sit there and you're looking at the other couple and you're like, this is weird. We're half naked communal yeah, bathing. We're going to have to pass. <laughs> yeah. This is gross. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I, I must give props to the texter who guessed, uh, guessed iguana. Oh, for uh, the uh, nice the clip about Aginla? Very good. Yeah. Uh, we will accept that, by the way. We accept that. 877-399-9898. Uh, uh, the best of the worst right there. Um, all right, let's go. Oh, 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 oh. Are you okay? Are you okay with fiction warnings? Um, what is such a thing as that? Do you mean like what you were about to watch did not actually happen? So don't take it too seriously like that. I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's good to be, I guess, you know, given the the gist of things, so you don't go and uh, I guess it saves the company from a lot of angry texts and letters being like, how how could you do this? It, well, it does, but it also is kind of like patronizing, isn't it? Like you're too stupid to not realize that this is a drama. <laughs> That's what it comes across as when I look at that. I, well, I would agree. Like, <laughs> why should you? It's a it's a fiction show. Like. I get it when they're doing a documentary and let's say some scenes have been dramatized, you know, for, you know, the purpose of this show, that makes sense for me, but to go the other way makes absolutely no sense. Netflix says it will not warn viewers of the crown that some of the scenes from the crown are fiction. What? This is from ET Canada. Now it's going even further. So take a look at the spread in the mail on Sunday, yesterday, a three page article where the UK cultural secretary, Oliver Dowden, says Netflix should have to put a health warning at the beginning of each episode, making it very clear that this is a work of fiction. Yeah, he says that since more people are watching this show than than even watch Charles and Diana's wedding live, there could be an entire generation that has a misunderstanding of how those events actually played out. Yeah. arrows on the floor of the grocery store my friends that is the (laughs) arrows of the grocery store floor right there that it's a show it's a tv show that's not in it's in the drama section it's not in the documentary section um of of the crown that is based on general notions and ideas of some things that happened in that family oh if we become this world where we have to declare like that goes to show like all the people that read a Facebook post about a doctor in another continent that says that he discovered that the masks aren't as good as the other masks. And if you tie the knot three times, not two times, it's going to save your life. Oh dear God. But that is, that's it. That that's the arrows of the floor of the grocery store right there. Spoon fed. Unbelievable. I'm glad Netflix isn't going to do that. That would that would be a really bad move from them. Really just. Yeah, we don't need that. I mean, most people can figure that out, that there wasn't a camera in Buckingham Palace filming every moment of the royals life. (laughs) It's just an idea. And uh, you can't take it too seriously, even if it is portrayed beautifully and very effectively. You know, yes, it's a great show. And that's not actually the queen. Just so you know, Uh, that is an actress. (laughs) Although the queen um, although, is still alive and well and probably will yeah. outlive all of us. She will. I'm pretty sure she will. Although it would be okay to put those disclaimers on some of the news channels, the cable news channels to say this next 30 minutes is 100% opinion based because you go to some of those websites on the apps and the very first page that comes up is the opinion pages, no longer the, uh, the pages of, of reporting. 
for sure. Okay. Are you okay? We're going to jump back here, Matt. Are you okay? Are you okay with the Canucks anthem singer getting fired? Um, not particularly. I mean, I don't know too much about this sport you call hockey, but um, <laughs> did, did this guy, did, did, he was like a long time, you know, singer slash employee of the Canucks, was he not? Yeah, I mean, he's been there forever. He he was there for a long time. He had some pretty iconic moments and sang at uh, some pretty iconic games for the Canucks too. Some pretty iconic viral videos falling down. Oh yeah, when he trips over on the carpet. Oh yeah. But that he was, was a character. Great. Like, he was great. He was fantastic. Well, here's the story. In case you uh, missed this little piece over the weekend, a newly fired Canucks anthem, Mark Donnelly, sang at an anti-masker rally in downtown Vancouver Saturday. Global Nadia's, uh, Global's Nadia Stewart reports, he says appearing at an event that ignores pandemic safety restrictions was worth it. Oh, it was Mark Donnelly's decision to sing the national anthem here at the BC Christmas Freedom Rally that has made this a controversial appearance for the former Vancouver Canucks national anthem singer. But for Donnelly, he says the decision to participate was based on reason and love for his fellow Canadians. I had reason to believe that they would be fine with it, with it, but I also am not so naive to think that there's no chance of any consequences. After the Vancouver Sun published an article about Donnelly's appearance at Saturday's anti-mask rally, team owner Francesco Aquilini tweeted, quote, Hey, Vancouver Sun, change the headline to former Canucks anthem singer. Hashtag wear a mask. It seems like uh, the more respectful way would have been to, uh, to call me up, find out from my my own mouth whether it was true and also find out my reasons for doing so. At the event, which drew a moderate crowd, Donnelly explained his reasons for attending, expressing concerns widely shared by many here over the provincial and international handling of the pandemic. What was originally sold as a 15-day hunkering down sprint for the common good has turned into a 10-month marathon from hell where the finish line is constantly being moved farther into the distance. And I think we all have to remember as well that this is a marathon, not a sprint. To be clear, officials in British Columbia characterized the current situation as a marathon right from the start. And while a vaccine is on the horizon, this week Dr. Bonnie Henry reiterated the province would not force anyone to take it. We have no mandatory immunization programs in this country and in this province, and we do not expect um, that COVID immunization will be mandatory. Donnelly sang the national anthem at an anti-abortion rally in the past, but he said it did not yield the same response. He says team management seemed to respect his right to express his personal opinion. Go Canucks, go! While he will miss singing at Canucks games. Yeah, of course. But there are, there are things, sometimes there's things that are greater. Donnelly says so far he feels like his decision to sing here is worth it. Nadia Storkobelnews. <sighs> hey, look, man. Um, when you work in a high-profile job, you represent the company you work for. Yeah, it's he should have clearly- expected that. It's clearly written into any contract of working. It's in mine. If I end up a headline drunk driving, this company has every right to cut me loose. Uh, I agreed to that. It's there. It's written in. I didn't dispute it. 
I signed it. Now, I would assume that his would be somewhat similar or else he'd be disputing it. So there are a couple of, I, for me, I'm going to tell you my thought. I normally don't do this, right? I, I normally try to just, you know, have conversation around it. I'll tell you, absolutely, they can them because it doesn't represent what's going on. You're talking about a, their business has been struggling. Their business, all those people that work uh, in the arena and around the team that are not working right now uh, because of COVID and all the things going on, I think they have to take a stand for the rest of their business. So I would say that absolutely. Now, doing it before he did it is absolutely dreadful. Doing it on a headline of he's going to sing there and firing him because he's going to sing there. He's right. Mark Donnelly's right when he says, how about a conversation about it? And I would say that the the comment about the abortion rally is a little different because people aren't losing their jobs for, because of that rally, right? So I, the apples and oranges conversation, it's just that simple. But the reality is, is that you never, ever, ever, like, I think it's safe. I think you they call and they say, hey, Mr. Singerman, you sing there. You're going to be in breach of contract with us and we're going to cut you loose. You attend, no problem. But if you get up on that stage and you do for them what you do for us, then we've got a problem. Now, if you want to go to the rally, you want to speak at the rally or whatever, you're allowed to do that. But you can't go do for them what you do for us. And I cannot believe that he was fired before he actually went. Now, fire him after, like literally he gets on stage and starts saying it. Okay, see ya. Here's the paperwork. But you got you to have the conversation first. That part to me is mind-blowing that that happened the way it did in such dramatic fashion of just trying to, you know, uh, send out a tweet. And Mark Donnelly apparently isn't even on Twitter. There is a Mark Donnelly on Twitter. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he, is he a sports reporter or something from England, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He reports for a football club in England, and he saw the tweet storm where people were, you know, saying, you suck. Why would you do this? And he says, no, 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 no. Please wear a mask. Leave me alone. Please don't yeah. don't hurt me. <laughs> this poor he guy. Said, he uh. had said that he, uh, he said, I am, he says, uh, I am Mark Donnelly, and uh, apparently there is an opera singer in Canada who sings for a sports team who also is Mark Donnelly, uh, who is not on Twitter. My waking up to my comments and mentions this morning, uh, has been entertaining to say the least. So, um, you know, I, I'm not asking you to agree with me at all because everyone can have their opinion on that around COVID and all the things, but I'm just speaking from the place of business is that in business, there, we make agreements, man. We make agreements to represent each other fairly. And I think that that was completely broken. Um, I think it was completely broken by his choice to go sing there. But it was also absolutely dreadful to fire him before he actually did anything. So I think both sides screwed that one up. Anyway, it's going to be disappointing. Although technically, he should only have been paid for half the song because he always held the mic up for half the song. As amazing as it was. It was a good deal. I don't even know if he knows that the last nitpicking? half of O Canada. Does he even it's know the last like, half of O Canada? It's like when I saw Motley Crue live, and just as they go on and on and on, Vince Neil just slowly stops saying half the song during Kickstart My Heart and just has the crowd sing it. It's like that. Yeah. And I kind of wanted a refund for my tickets. So you know what? I'm with you on that one. I'm with you there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.